I'm here with Dave McRae, Research Fellow at the Lowy Institute and our resident Indonesia expert. Dave, you gave a presentation the other day at the uh, Indonesia mini-update about the political landscape in Indonesia at the moment, and the standout name from that presentation was uh, Jokowi, who's got uh, uh, the mayor of uh, Jakarta and who's got a very interesting history. Just tell us a little bit about this character and how he has... Uh, transformed Indonesian politics in the last 12 months? Sure. So uh, over the last 12 months, as you say, we've seen the rise of uh, Joko Widodo, uh, ubiquitously known as Jokowi, from a small town mayor in central Java to first governor of Jakarta and now frontrunner in the presidential polls for the presidential elections in Indonesia next year. Uh, he... Uh, gained prominence really uh, by entering that Jakarta race and campaigning on a reform platform with a man of the people image and displacing uh, the incumbent from the Jakarta governorship. Uh, before he gained that governorship, uh, you'd seen a sense of disillusionment in Indonesian politics, that it was difficult for new candidates to enter the political landscape, uh, that uh, reform really in Indonesia had stagnated, and a pessimism that you might see uh, really, I would say, an authoritarian era villain like Prabowo Subianto, the dismissed from the military uh, shortly after the beginning of democratic rule. Uh, and Sahado's son-in-law taking the presidency next year, or at least a, an, a, another establishment figure. But with Jokowi's popularity, I think you now see a new optimism in Indonesian politics that you might have a reform platform president uh, who might start, uh, try to initiate uh, renewed reforms, uh, although it must be stated we, we really don't know a lot about what Jokowi's national-level policies of elected would be. Now, we, we need to be clear, Jokowi hasn't actually formally entered the presidential race, right? And he needs the backing of a party in order to become uh, a candidate in the presidential race. But it sounds like what you're saying is that a lot of Indonesian are, Indonesians who are uh, become sceptical, even cynical about the political process are projecting a lot of their hopes onto this character who's, who's a, bit of a, a bit of a blank slate in policy terms. But let's go into the background of that a little bit. Why are they sceptical? Why are the Indonesian people cynical about the political process in Indonesia? Well, as I said, uh, sort of you, you have a situation where Indonesia has undergone a fundamental transformation into a democracy since 1998, but most of those reforms happened in the first five to six years. Uh, since then, you've seen a lot less reformist legislation passed. Uh, there's also been numerous corruption scandals that have affected most of the political parties in Indonesia, and corruption is rife at local level as well. Uh, for the political system, you have high barriers to entry. Political parties control the nomination process, and it's very costly to run. Uh, and so I think all of that contributed uh, to public disillusionment. Uh, but uh, when you look at uh, uh, Jokowi's entry into politics, where you know, he came into politics in a small town. He gained re-election with 90% of the vote. And I think that's part of why his party, PDIP, would have looked to put him into Jakarta. He's one of just a few local leaders uh, that I, I think give people an optimism that, that change would still be possible, uh, despite all, all the problems that, that they experience in their day-to-day -day lives in uh, 
with democracy in Indonesia. And if I could just quickly add again, uh, on the presidential election, uh, parties have established prior to the 2009 election a threshold of 20% of seats or 25% of votes to nominate a candidate. And that really means realistically you can only have three or four candidates. In 2009, that gave you a race between the incumbent president, Yudhoyono, who was popular at the time, the incumbent vice president, and Megawati Sukarno Putri, who was a former president. So really you had a set of establishment candidates. And if the four foremost parties last year had been able to nominate candidates for an election at the time, again, you would have had Megawati Sukarno Putri, uh, who'd already twice lost direct presidential elections, Abu Rizal Bakri, a business tycoon, uh, Prabowo Subianto, who I mentioned before, and uh, uh, an unspecified successor to to uh, Yudhoyono. And I think that really didn't inspire a lot of enthusiasm in the electorate. And you had leading media and polling institutes in Indonesia really calling for where might alternative candidates come for. And I think uh, Jokowi has captured that mood. And is that mood and that hope for change in Indonesia of a, of a, uh, a recharging, if you like, of the reform process, is that justified if it's Jokowi or is, if it's anybody else? Do you hold out much hope that the reform process in Indonesia, that the, the completion, if you like, of this uh, transformation to democracy can actually move ahead under a new president? Well, I went through some of the, uh, in my talk uh, at the mini-update, some of the entrenched obstacles that we've seen over, over the past year. You have uh, brazenly corrupt law enforcement and judicial institutions, uh, the military uh, demanding the right to hold investigations and trials and control those when it's personally guilty of violence, mm -hmm. as well as the problem of religious intolerance uh, that the UDNO government really hasn't addressed as three of those entrenched obstacles. Now, to take on any of those, uh, you, you have two issues. One is whether a new president would even be of a mind to reform those. And uh, uh, I went through uh, sort of the ways he could lend his political weight to, to law enforcement reform, uh, maybe some of the reasons why a new president might not tackle uh, sort of further military reform. Uh, and at least on uh, religious intolerance, there's been encouraging signs that Jokowi, uh, at least in the first challenges faced on that, uh, has been firm in his response. Uh, but the second obstacle is that uh, whoever is elected president is likely to have minority parliament support. Uh, that's always been a feature of the democratic order in Indonesia. And so rather than being able to rely on marshalling strong support in the parliament, the, the, the main asset that a new president would have available to them uh, would be public opinion. And, uh, and I guess uh, using that as an asset to, to drive through any reforms they wanted to. Uh, but I think it's a... As I, as I said in my talk, it's a, it's a much more enticing question to be asking for Indonesia's future. Would a reform platform president be able to marshal public opinion uh, to overcome entrenched obstacles rather than uh, the question we would have asked 12 months ago, uh, might an authoritarian era villain become president and try to regress reforms and would an already flawed system be able to withstand such efforts to, to wind reforms back? And just finally, we haven't talked yet about the incumbent very much. I'd just like to get your view on how you think his legacy will be seen, SBY's legacy. I know the conventional wisdom that it is that in his second term he's been a do-nothing uh, kind of figure, but overall, over his two terms, uh, how do you think we'll look back on that period? Um, well, here I should throw in a, a quick promo for both the Indonesia Update in Canberra next year, organised by the ANU Indonesia Project, and the mini-update that we co-host with them, which will look at Yudhoyono's legacy. Uh, but I think if, 
with one year to go, looking at his presidency, uh, I think people would see it as a he's presided over a, a stable period in uh, overall in Indonesia's politics, where economic growth has has been good. Uh, sort of, uh, we, we saw various speakers looking at economic performance in Indonesia down in Canberra and saying that uh, everyone in Indonesia is becoming more prosperous, although inequality is widening. Uh, and so, you know, I think uh, those will be things that he'll be credited with. Uh, I think, again, the great frustration with Yudhiyono uh, has been that really for his second term, he was elected in one round with a strong popular mandate, but he returned to that pattern we've seen all presidents in democratic Indonesia take of forming an extremely wide coalition, uh, bringing most of the major parties uh, into politics. And uh, as a result, or uh, because of his caution as well, uh, he really hasn't uh, driven through on, on some of the areas where reform was required. And I, I think that will certainly count against him uh, when people consider his legacy. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks a lot.